Les mots, la beauté des mots. The beauty and intelligence of his words. Serge Lutens. Literary and artistic inspirations. Oubliez tout. You have to forget. A creator like no other, Serge Lutens' fields of artistic expression only grew with the years. From makeup to set design and costumes to photography, cinema and perfume making, he did it all. Over half a century on, the artist from the north of France burst a whole creative universe that matched his immense talent and outsized ambition. His style was utterly unique and stood out in the sea of competitors. Admired and looked up to by the greats, and sometimes even blatantly copied, it's almost easy to forget that he also grew up with his own cultural references. Let's start with the most unexpected among these. After the Second World War, at the age of six or seven, a young Serge Lutens went to the cinema for the first time, where he discovered Snow White, the classic Walt Disney heroine. La pénombre, le velours grenat du siège, the darkness of the hall, the sensation of my fingers moving against the grain of the red velvet seat I sank into, and the company of my mother, all created a kind of bubble in which I saw Snow White, and which sealed its memory in my mind's eye. I was utterly spellbound. Was it the beauty of Snow White, or her tragic fate, that moved the child so much? It's hard to know for sure, but it's clear that, from a young age, Lutens sympathized with characters whose lives were troubled. The Misfortunes of Pauvre Blaise by Comtesse de Ségur, or Little Annie Rooney by Daryl Meckler, resonated with him almost certainly because they reflected his own dull and drab existence. But adolescence was to bring a change of direction for Serge Lutens. Transformed by the discovery of old films he saw on the TV or in the cinema halls of Lille, he developed a strong affinity for female characters and the strong charismatic actresses who played them, like Greta Garbo or Marlene Dietrich. The story and plot mattered little to him. So taken was he by the mere presence of these stars on the big screen. The house on the cliff. Like a sponge, he absorbed each movement, each lift of the eyelid. The best way to forget until you find something you want to remember. From the sophistication of Marlene to the sculptural beauty of Garbo. Films taught him the power of the image like nothing else. He was equally impressed by the German expressionism of the initial films of Murnau and Lang, in which all was angles, contrast and chaos. The young Serge found in all these a distinctive and striking beauty, fundamentally different from the one that dominated the scene in the 50s, and which he increasingly began to reject, without quite being able to explain why. Indeed, Serge felt quite unable to analyze or put into words the rebellion that had been brewing within him for years on end. His shyness had compelled him to keep his head down for a long time. A mercurial child with a basic school graduation certificate, 
apprenticed fresh out of hairstyling school at the age of 14, Serge had always been a bit out of step with others. He was wary and distrustful of all kinds of intellectualization, especially through words. But a fateful meeting would change this belief and the course of his life forever. In 1960, Serge Lutens met Madeleine Lévy in Lille, who would go on to become his partner in crime for many years and later also his companion. Stepping through the doors of his salon for a haircut, the street-smart young girl brought up in Morocco fell irrevocably under the spell of this young man, as shy as he was bold. Twelve years his senior, Lévy immediately recognized his unique talent and swept him away with her to Paris. She had a small antique shop in the city, where she spent most of her time reading and smoking cigarettes. Here, she introduced Serge, barely 22 years old, to the writings of Jean Genet, who had a scandalous literary reputation. Madeleine read out the novel Our Lady of the Flowers to Serge herself. The transgressive violence and explicit free-flowing poetry of this work opened new horizons up for Serge, a dizzying delight. In two or three years, he went from barely reading at all to completely devouring the collected works of his cursed and solitary author. The Thief's Journal, The Man Sentenced to Death. Genet became the condemned soul who would go on to become his companion for life. In the 1970s, when one of his acquaintances offered to arrange a meeting with the author, Serge refused, saying... What have I to say to God himself? More classical authors also find a place for themselves among his list of literary icons, Baudelaire, Proust, Mishima, etc. Yet, none of them would ever match the significance of the author of Funeral Rites, a book to which Serge Lutens would return throughout his life, whether just to browse through or completely dissect, down to the bone, Admiration or love were weak words for his feeling towards the author. Woo betide anyone who tried to set foot into his kingdom, which Serge guarded jealously as his private turf. The domain of the damned was not for everyone. Serge Lutens has borne testimony to this singular truth from the beginning of his career without any explanation or elucidation. Some have considered this a kind of elitism while others have seen instead an enigma to be solved. Either way, Serge Lutens has created a world tailored to his unique vision for more than 50 years, becoming an icon for many others in the process. Serge Lutens, you often shrug off or reject the use of the term inspiration when you're asked about your own. Why do you dislike this word so much? Inspiration, c'est-à-dire qu'on est, si vous voulez, c'est comme si c'était quelque chose qui... le mot inspiré. Inspiration is, well, it's something like... Well, it's not inspiration as such, like Cocteau said, but expiration. Something that is released rather than taken in. La création, c'est relâcher quelque chose. 
Creation is something that is put out into the world, while inspiration would mean something that you keep within. And that's not what it is. But the word bothers me really, because it is used for what the world officially considers artists. Because you see, there is a host of such artists, right from Zorro to the Fairy Queen. And I find that a bit ridiculous. I don't like it at all. To me, that's not what an artist is. Artists cannot be qualified in these terms, for their gifts are God-given and their creations divine. Your main and strongest influences have been writers, yet your work has been essentially visual over the years, photography, cinema, etc. Why doesn't one find more painters and photographers among your sources of inspiration? Inspiration takes many forms and occurs at many levels, which is to say that we are made up of thousands of things, not just one or two. And even if I named just three, it would be quite reductive. We are all composed of both good and bad things, an aggregate that makes the whole. There is no escaping it, I mean, we are all human beings with a wide array of emotions, often even contradictory ones. I came to books later in life, while the visual image made more of an impression on me, especially images of women, if you like. This led me to invent my own image of a woman, because one only invents something one desperately needs. This label, this way of being, of thinking, these perfumes, c'est une façon de penser, c'est une façon d'être. J'en avais besoin. There are all my ways of existing and moving through the world. They were absolutely necessary. So I would say there is no such thing as art, only artists, if you see what I mean. In my view, a baker could be a great artist, and so could a grocer. I don't see the need to separate these things into professions in this way. I don't like putting things into boxes, whether in art or anything else. It is not for the artist to declare himself an artist. In fact, those who do so are quite phony and hollow. You've called Snow White one of your first sources of inspiration, but the saccharine world of Disney is quite an antithesis of the one you invented. How would you describe the impact of those images on you? Well, firstly, it was the first film I had ever seen in my life. I had never seen any before it, and we didn't have television. So I went to the cinema. And what was cinema at the time? Luxury. Well, luxury the way I saw it. The velvet seats and armrests. So I saw the film quite late. I think with my mother, who accompanied me, because I was little. I must have been six years old or thereabouts. I'm not sure. And for me, it was seeing all those images with the music, the dwarves singing in the diamond mines, the walls already gleaming with multicolored stones, 
the house and the evil queen, who also became one of my muses, because a child has both the evil queen and the Snow White in him. The beautiful, sweet, loving girl, as well as the wicked, cruel, mean mother. Magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest one of all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty, but hold. Oh, it was something so special for all the boys watching the film for the first time. A kind of enchantment. Surely the first film I saw in a certain way. And of course, it was an animated movie, Snow White, which made it a bit too sweet. But then children are made of sugar, spice and everything nice. We are made up of all these flavors. We carry them within us, including the bitter and the sour. On est déjà vinaigré et salé. Jean Genet holds a special place among the people that you admire, which is something people are curious about. The connections with Proust, Baudelaire and even Mallarmé seem more obvious to the general public. What about this author makes him stand out in your eyes? Les mots. Les mots. La beauté des mots. His words. The choice of words. The beauty and intelligence of his words. The depth of his characters. Il a 16 ans quand il frappe when he porte. says he is 16 when he reaches the landing, who else could say a thing like that? And there you have Our Lady, who is about to kill the old man to steal his money. He is 16 when he reaches the landing. And then the door opens, and he enters, and then there is a whole succession of words, whose impression I cannot even begin to describe. He could have been 16 at the foot of the stairs, but no, he is 16 when he reaches the landing. Là la beauté. Ça change tout. And that's the beauty of it. That's what changes everything. This way of putting words together and looking at them. Because, you know, often when one says something, one uses a turn of phrase as a course of habit, in a way that one has heard before and is just repeating. But starting from a blank slate, that's where writing begins. True writing cannot happen without wiping all that from the mind. Everything must be broken down and destroyed, even forgotten. Oublier. Oublier tout. One must forget everything to be able to write and to be able to speak anew. In that way, he was an anti-establishment man, as opposed to the conventional man with his ready-made words, sentences, mannerisms and superficial airs. No. Vous êtes complètement dans, dans l'invention. No, with him, there was complete invention. And invention is a matter of gaze, of approach. You must observe the world and then return to your words. You must put them together in a way that makes them pure. And then you must defile them again. Because that's what literature is. Nothing more, nothing less. If you are simply repeating the words of others, you're dead on arrival because then there's no point to writing, unless you're a journalist, which is different. Writing is a kind of murder, an annihilation of the past to birth something new. Still, it's important to note that Jean Genet could not have existed without Proust. 
Proust completely changed the way people read. He observed his characters from the inside, stripping away from just the external descriptors, if you like. He entered into them, took them over, wore their clothes. He lived through them, the 42 facets as described by the prophet. He explored all of them. He tried them on for size. You can't do this if you're not fully immersed in the web of life, if you don't have the zest for life. Creating means becoming another. If you are always inside yourself, you're damned. The other is the source of richness and diversity. Going beyond the self, that's how I would describe my encounter with Morocco and Japan, as well as my encounter with people. That's what interests me. But I remain a man of reserve. I would like to write, but I'm full of restraint. Writing is a kind of self-sacrifice, you see. You have to forget, destroy words, then bring them back to life and put them back in new and different ways. A sentence demands complete destruction. That's what I'm trying to tell you, in fact. And that's what I like about Genet which is that he is first and foremost a rebel. Without rebellion, no creation is possible. We see it with Baudelaire too, who turns a head of hair into an ebony sea with dark, black swell and perfume into something that passes through glass, devouring its flask. You see, the beauty of it, like desire captured in a bottle, like magic, like Aladdin, you see how one can play with words in this way, throwing them into the air and then catching them like a juggler. That's what writing is. But if you confine writing to respectable, which is to say boring speech, then it loses all its power. One must live and breathe words, and to live, one must die first. And it's something one has to do all the time, because writing is not a one-off exercise, but a constant endeavor. Do you realize that you yourself could become a source of inspiration to others? How do you feel about it? What legacy do you think you will leave behind? I am not looking to leave a legacy. I don't even know what that means. I don't think about legacies and what I could leave behind. We are all grains in the sand. Each individual is but a grain of sand on an enormous beach. Just think about it. What are we in the grand scheme of things when we know that a grain of sand is just a rock or bigger block eroded down to its size? Encore une fois, j'aime quand Genet définit Beckett. On lui demande de définir Beckett. Qu'est-ce que vous pensez de Beckett? Which brings me back to Genet and his definition of Beckett. When he was asked, what do you think of Beckett? He replied, a prodigious grain of sand, a wonderful turn of phrase. Nothing yet immense. One doesn't know what one leaves behind because one doesn't really know what one is doing at the time one is doing it. Mais on le fait... We do things and then we leave them. What others make of it, well, that's not really our lookouts. 
I don't really know what will happen in the future, but there is the hope and desire to push myself further, because I have been silent for a long time. I think I will finally begin speaking, I mean, through writing, but not necessarily with the intention of becoming a writer per se. Becoming a perfumer or becoming this or that has never appealed to me. My dream is for all of it to be raised to the ground. J'espère que tout ça s'écroule très vite. C'est mon rêve.